Welcome to The Truth Must Be Told. I hope that you have been enjoying this podcast. We have covered many subjects, and, you know, we're going to continue to do that. The response has been excellent, and I will continue to bring you quality podcasts from which you can learn and perhaps give you some hope in this uncertain world. If you have missed any episodes, you can go to thetruthmustbetold.org and you will find a link for anchor.fm, which will allow you to listen to previous podcasts absolutely free. It's free to visit the site and free to listen. And while you're there, consider hitting that support button and help this ministry to continue to grow around the world. Thank you for your support and for joining me here on The Truth Must Be Told. All right, well, hello, hello. So what is so important about the days of Noah, and how does it pertain to today? Well, we're going to discuss it on The Truth Must Be Told. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'd be a nice change of pace. When in doubt, tell the truth. Edward, I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Well, hello, hello. Uh, you caught me. I was just taking a sip of coffee. <laughs> hello, everybody. Welcome to the third installment of the Days of Noah here on The Truth Must Be Told. This is actually episode 62. So we're getting up there. And uh, we've got a lot of people listening, <laughs> and we do appreciate that. Um, yeah, this is the third installment. If you've missed the uh, first two Part 1 and 2 of the Days of Noah, you can go to anchor.fm slash sal-passos, or if that's too hard to remember, you can go to thetruthmustbetold.org, and there's a link to take you to the podcast there. So if you uh, want to do that, please do and listen, and uh, I'm sure you'll be blessed by it. It's very important. Now, before we begin, I want to remind you that today is the National Day of Prayer. It's important that we pray for our leaders in our country as well as those in our military, our first responders, policemen, firemen, and, and EMTs, paramedics, <coughs> excuse me, uh, those, those people need our prayers and our support on a daily basis. We definitely need to pray for um, our, our sitting president right now, no matter what you think of him. Excuse, mm, excuse me, I'm sorry. No matter what you think of him, you got to pray for him. In fact, let's just pray right now before we even start this program. Okay, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the love and mercy that you poured out on the cross and that, first of all, Lord, that uh, you have made a way for us to join you in the heavenly realms with you because Jesus Christ died on the cross. But, Lord, you also reminded us that we need to respect those people in authority. And today is a national day of prayer, a day when the nation is supposed to come together to pray I've heard that the president doesn't want that to happen, and whatever the case, Lord, you are in charge, and you are in control of everything that's happening. So, Lord, we just ask that uh, you would pour out uh, your mercies upon our leaders and those who would seek to destroy us, and, Lord, uh, move them as you said you would, you, as, a, as the uh, heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and like a waterway, you steer it wherever you want. I pray, Lord, that you steer this country towards revival and that um, these people would be, uh, f um, their efforts would be futile in their trying to stop the churches and, and taking away people's freedoms. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do, and I thank you, Lord, that uh, you're soon coming, in Jesus' name. All right, so, this study has been interesting thus far. 
we've been talking about the days before the flood, and uh, Jesus in Matthew 24 uh, was asked by his disciples, what is going to be the sign of your coming and the signs of the end of the age? And Jesus said that those signs would be, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. So he gave us a very long list of things to watch for, different signs of, uh, that will lead up to this. <clears throat> Excuse me. But essentially he said, when you see the, in the days of Noah, when you see these things coming, know that the end is very near. Know that, I'm at the, that, that, he's, that he's at the door. All right? And it, he's going to come like a thief in the night. And we're going to discuss a couple of those things down the road. But, uh, but if we look, as we look at the days before the flood, Jesus said, if you, if you really want to know when I'm coming, he says, if you really want to know those times, he says, look at the days before the flood. So we looked at so far uh, Genesis 4 through 6, chapters 4 through 6, and it talks about religious apostasy, about travel and city building. Today we're going to talk about polygamy. There are eight things that Jesus definitely pointed out, or not Jesus pointed out, but the Bible points out that there are eight things before the coming of, uh, before his return. All right, so there was religious apostasy, travel, and city building. We've covered those on the uh, first two, part one and two of this uh, of this study. The other thing now he dis- we're going to talk about today is uh, the rest of it. We're actually going to cover it all today. Polygamy, agriculture, music, metallurgy, and disrespect for authority. Those eight things will uh, are signs when these things increase in intensity and in scope, then we know that he is uh, very near. All right, so today we're going to look at uh, polygamy. And, um, you know, it's it's one of these things, it's, look, it's very clear that the Lord wanted a man to have one wife. All right, one wife. And I I, I don't know how... The kings got away with it, uh, Saul and, and David, and they, you know, yeah, thousand wives uh, uh, Solomon had, along with, you know, concubines and all this other stuff. They're just sex-crazy people, and uh, I, I, but it wasn't meant that way. God did not give Adam and Eve and Susan, all right? He gave Adam and Eve, and there shouldn't, you know, it, it looks that way. As much as it sounds enticing to have more than one wife and and Lori and I have actually discussed this at several times you know it'll take a lot of pressure off of me yeah I know but the Bible says that we're not supposed to have more than one wife it's just it wasn't that way in the beginning uh, Jesus said we you know one woman a man and a woman and that's it and so um, so it's very clear that the Lord wanted to have let yet Lamech was the first man in human history to break God's rule. Genesis 4.19 says Lamech married two wives. So as evil grows more rampant throughout the world and the morals of society break down, you know, Jesus said they were, as it was in the days before the flood, they would be marrying and giving in marriage, all right? So, but we are looking at a divorce rate incredibly high in the United States. It's never been this way before. Now, this is just in the U.S., all right? There are nearly 2,400 divorces every single day in the United States. It's according to, uh, let's see, where did I get this from? CanterburyLawGroup.com. Okay, it gives statistics on uh, 2020 statistics on 
divorce, all right? So 2,400 divorces a day in the United States, meaning the average uh, 16,000 divorces each week, as well as an upwards of 875,000 divorces per year. Eight years is the average length of first marriage that ends with a divorce. During the first marriage, there is a 20% chance within the first five years that the marriage will that the marriage may end in divorce or separation, and in a 10-year time frame, that percentage goes up to 33. So it goes from 20% to 33% going up in years. 30 years old is the average age when couples commence the divorce process. Two years is the average duration time a person considers divorce before commencing the process. Around 75% of people who obtain divorce will at some point get remarried. If they choose to remarry, the average wait time is three years. You know, love can happen again, but 6% of couples report remarrying having gotten divorced. And Lori and I are in that 6%. We both were divorced and we're now remarried. Uh, so the more times you marry, though, this is interesting, the percentage of divorce goes up. So if your first marriage, you have 42.45% that it will terminate in divorce as a result. Your second marriage goes up to 60% that you're going to have a divorce. If you're in third marriage, a third marriage or, or higher, 73% will terminate with divorce as a result. Wow. So the more times you marry, your chances of divorcing are getting up there. Now, like I said, it is not what the Lord intended when he created a man and a woman. Uh, Jesus said, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Genesis 2, 24, all right? Now, many years ago, we've heard of divorces. I remember being in school and heard somebody was divorced, and we thought it was the greatest of shame. All right, Parties that involved in divorce would often leave a community and begin life somewhere else where they were not known. They were hard to, divorces were hard to obtain and were seldom sought. Churches refused fellowship to the guilty parties and discouraged divorce strongly. Okay, it's not that way. Today is a different story. Thanks to our modern philosophies and enlightenment, remember we talked about the modernism, new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things in music and art, and, well, it also applies here. Uh, divorce has become glorified now. Divorce is an evil cancer that should not even be mentioned among those who name the name of Christ. Yet even in the church, the divorce rate is around 30%. Okay, you can't forget the rise of sexual freedom in the world today. Many couples are hooking up even on the first date. There's no more shame, no fear of consequence, no accountability. The drive for sex is plastered all over our phones, internet, and TV. Sex sells, and I'm sure this has led to a rise in the divorce rate as well. Because couples will lose the thrill of sex, especially if uh, the husbands are watching porn. <clears throat> because porn is not real. They lose the thrill of sex that they once enjoyed, and people seek out a new experience and tell themselves they deserve it, only to be disappointed when the new becomes old and they fall back into the same routines. Listen, ladies, I want to tell you something here. If your husband is, uh, is, is, ladies, if you meet a man who's gotten divorced because he cheated on his wife, and then you find that out, he's going to cheat on you too, all right, unless, unless 
he becomes a new creature in Christ. But those things are gonna those things will be repeated. Okay, if he was abusive before, he's gonna be abusive again. If he cheated on, on someone before, he's gonna cheat on you too. Once the thrill is gone, it's he's gonna look onto somebody else to try to recapture that thrill. All right. Never before in history, since the days before the flood, has this condition existed so generally, and is undoubtedly this that the referred that the Lord referred to when he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. All right. Now we're going to take a look at uh, agriculture. In the list of births that take place there in chapter 4 of Genesis, it says, Adah gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. Now, as I mentioned in the last podcast, we had about growths in the cities they caught, that caused many farm workers to lose their jobs. However, in spite of those, the loss of manpower, the development of machinery and scientific research has led to a boom in uh, agriculture and animal husbandry. Now, this is the first time mentioned in the Bible about people raising livestock. Okay? Uh, we, we don't have to imagine strongly where we are today with this prediction. We have never in the history of man the abilities to grow crops and raise livestock. Think about how scientific leaps in cattle, poultry, and sheep, in, the, uh, in animal husbandry, all very important to our existence, and we can raise them without a thought. We can take the seed from a prized bovine, transport it anywhere in the world, and through artificial insemination, develop a super strain of cattle. All right, take crops. All right, talk about agriculture. Crops can be grown virtually anywhere. You know, technology has even allowed growth in the desert. Oh, yeah, that's right. In Israel right now, in its desert regions, crops are growing. I've had oranges from Israel. They are some of the sweetest, tastiest, meatiest oranges. Oh, my mouth waters just thinking about it. But they're growing many crops over there in different regions. Some are in the, the northern regions, some are in the desert areas. But you have cherry tomatoes, kiwifruit, guavas, mangoes, grapes, cucumbers, peppers, zucchini, melons, and so many more that are being grown in the desert. Our technology has blossomed. Okay? Don't let people think, oh, you can't do it. You could, you could, there's virtually nothing that man can't do today. If he puts his mind to it, man can accomplish a lot of things. Yeah, we talked about the technology in, in the last episode. And to quote my, uh, to quote, to quote my uh, old pastor, he said this one time, and I've never forgotten it. Man, is, uh, he's, a, he's grown to a point. We've grown in all this technology and, and modern things that we can do. We've gone so far, and we've put a man on the moon. But somehow I think God has a sign up there that says, keep off the grass. Okay? Even though we've gotten that far, all right, and that God wants us to expand our knowledge, but our knowledge should be expanded in the, in the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And I have nothing against the space program. I love the space program. Don't go off on a tangent on me here. I, I, I really love it. I love the space program. I've been following it for years. 
But is it really that important overall? You know, is it really? But our technology is growing and growing in fast leaps and bounds like it's never happened before. And they've applied this to agriculture and animal husbandry and, you know, cattle, sheep, poultry. You know, think about this. <clears throat> if you really, it, it'll twist your noodle if you really think about it. How many hamburgers does just, just McDonald's serve on a daily basis? Okay. And that, they, they sell chicken, too. So how many chickens are killed for that? Then you've got Kentucky Fried Chicken. And everybody in their brother in a fast food place is selling some kind of chicken. You know, they just don't grow on trees. They have to be raised. And these are only, you know, these are only McDonald's and Kentucky Fried are only two of the major food, uh, fast food restaurants in the world. And they're gathering meat and chicken, potatoes. These things are growing fast. Think about where all this goes. Dog food, cat food, okay? They use the meats for, for dog food and cat food for chicken. You know, salmon now even, uh, beef. All goes into the things going into dog food. Baby food, all right? Uh, your Gerber's baby food and those like it have to utilize chicken and, and, and beef and peas, all these vegetables and things. We're, we're producing this stuff in a massive, massive amount. We're feeding the world, ourselves and others, and that's helping our farmers. And God bless our farmers, by the way, and our ranchers and those people out there that are doing that. That's more than I could do. I couldn't handle that. Excuse me one second. I need to take a sip here. Because my throat is dry. <clears throat> it's parched. And I still have another show to do at 9 o'clock tonight, Central Time. So I'll be on Hapstop TV if you want to tune in. And we're going to discuss some of this. And just it's more of an open forum where you can tune in and uh, and uh, leave comments and ask questions. It's kind of an open forum type of thing. It's just a way of another way of uh, reaching out to my listeners, okay? But that was a plug. I'm sorry. All right, so... We are at a point where, you know, as I said, the, the, I don't want to belabor this. The agriculture is just exploding. We're all over the place. We, we can grow things like never before. All right. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. All right, music. Um, he talks about, uh, we just talked about, um, we just talked about, what is it? Chubal, who was the one uh, who was involved with uh, Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents. And now we have Jubal, or Jubal. He was the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes. Now, this is also the first time that music and musical instruments were mentioned in the Bible. All right? Uh, and it, it's a characteristic sign of the antediluvian antediluvian age antediluvian days that's the time before the flood remember Jesus said as it was in the days before the flood All right, this is what we're looking at here music is a very powerful tool and we have access today to any type of music genre that we want jazz, classical, blues rap, hip hop, rock, hard rock acid rock, country and of course worship music and today's contemporary Christian music 
Yeah, I want to touch that just a little bit. If you guys listen to my show on music, you'll know where I stand on that. But it seems like today nothing can be done anymore without the accompaniment of music. We use music in movies, in plays, commercials, TV shows, all use movies. And they use them anywhere that something is hawked or sold. Music is there. All right, look at the commercials. All kinds of... In fact, now they have to resurrect old songs. Um, what was the one that... Uh, what's the one that Geico uses there? On their motorcycle commercial there, the, the guy riding. Um, I forget. But anyway, they use... Uh, they, they're starting to resurrect songs out of the 60s and 70s and uh, bring them into TV commercials and try to pique people's interest. So it's all there. And uh, let them, you know, you know oh, uh, fill me up, Buttercup. Yeah. <coughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's that's the one there. So sadly, though, a lot of this music, and today's music, and, and, and today's music is... is it's, it's infiltrated the church, and some have substituted music for the preaching of the Word of God. Silly choruses, empty phrases are repeated over and over again. We have left the music written for worship and have given in to rock, jazz, and even rap connotations within our music in a worship service. Now, is there a place for this music in the church? Shouldn't we want to update our music to contemporary styles? Why? To please the people? What is our incentive to move away from traditional songs to that of the new stuff? Now, I don't want to get into a heavy discussion here about hymns and contemporary music. If we were to argue about this, we can have the same points on both camps. All right? A lot of the, you know, repeated things and, you know, and uh, lack of scripture and things like that. But uh, I just want to say here that secular music has no place in the church. I refused one time to sing in a church choir that I was that was involved with because they wanted to sing If I Only Had a Heart from The Wizard of Oz. Come on, seriously? What does that have to do with God and bringing people into an attitude of worship? Now, I want to say in all fairness that I am guilty of this, and, and I have since repented. My choir director, the same choir director, had me do a solo for the song Live Like I Was Dying. And I did that song, and it came out pretty good. And there is some sort of a message in there, you know, to, to live to live life to the fullest, but it's not what we should be living life for Jesus, not for ourselves, right? Now, not all contemporary music is bad. All I'm saying, contemporary Christian music is bad. All I'm saying is that why are we going to introduce a certain song? Now, worship leaders and choir directors, I, I would ask you that you pray and ask God for direction. The music you lift up before the Lord, remembering that music during worship and praise leads to the teaching of the Scripture. It softens people's hearts to, to, lead, to lead to the preaching that's going to take place afterwards. Some of them, in fact, there have been this situation to buy, I believe, the dedication of Solomon's temple. When the trumpeters and the priests and the musicians were all in one accord they were playing and worshiping god the power of god fell in that place even so that the priests couldn't minister and i have been in services like that where worship services have just taken over and god is 
God just, that's it. You don't need to do any more because God has God taken care of it. Now, some of today's secular music, and this is getting back to the days of Noah thing, okay? So we're warming our way back. I just took a little detour, and I'm coming back. All right, so now we're coming back. The secular music that's out there today, especially in, in rap, hip-hop, and whatever else they call it nowadays, um, it's gross and disgusting is at best. There's no more double entendres about sex. It's open and explicit. And they just had that thing. We, we can't talk about Dr. Seuss, but we can have a song describing a woman's genitalia played on national television. What's more disgusting to you? You know, there used to be an old Sunday school song that went, Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. That actually started with your eyes. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. All right? Because your Father... Your Heavenly Father is looking down in love. So be careful what you watch, what you listen to, and what you say. Because those things are out there. So, But we don't want to talk about that anymore. But music has taken a place where it's just, it just accelerated. It's everything. You, like I said, you can't listen to a commercial without music. <laughs> Some of you might even be happy if I had music playing in the background. I mean, I, but... You know, I don't need you to be distracted by music. I need you to listen to the Word of God. There's a time for it. There's a time in a church for music. If you want to listen to, uh, to Christian music that is not worshipful, uh, things that I would yeah, I have no problem with that. I can listen to that too outside of, outside of a church. But there are some things that should not be brought into the sanctuary where we are attempting to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, and we can't do that if we're bringing the world into the church. So just keep that in mind. Pray, pray, pray before you do something that is not pleasing to the Lord. All right. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. and we come back, we're going to be discussing the last two, which would be uh, metallurgy and disrespect for authority. I think those are the last two. Let me double check that. Yeah, metallurgy and disrespect for authority. We covered agriculture and music so far. And we're going to be talking about uh, metallurgy, disrespect for authority, violence. Those are all what we're going to be, be coming up uh, when we come back for the break. And um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more because it's uh, quite a bit to, to cover. And I hope we're... Uh, you know, hope you're enjoying this. There's a lot involved, and uh, I can't uh, <laughs> I can't tell you enough how how I, I pleased you're here. Uh, just give me one moment. Oh, I'm having such a tough time today. A lot of lot of technical difficulties. All right, just give me a moment. I'll be right back, and we'll continue with our study. For those of you watching on the video, uh, I don't know if you watched the production video of this, but you just saw me take a drink of coffee. Uh, so I kind of take that little 15, 20 second break there <laughs> to allow the coffee to, uh, no, not to allow the coffee, but allow the uh, 
give me a little time on the recording so I can uh, splice in the recorded uh, commercial. All right, so, but thank you for coming back. And if you haven't visited my website, check it out. It's not spectacular. It's not super special. Uh, but it will allow you to find The Truth Must Be Told on Anchor.fm. You can leave a message for me or click on the donation button to help this ministry. It's very much appreciated. All right, metallurgy. What's so important about metallurgy? Well, we'll cover that. Zila also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron, Genesis 4.22. So in the days before the flood, the ways of fashioning metals into tools were developed. And I'm sure they developed weapons and, and other things with it as well. You know, and uh, musical instruments had to be fashioned out of metal. So all of these, but it, right in this time, um, these, these were beginnings and uh, those who were fashioning metals and tools. All right, so what a similarity to today that we have here. In those days, the use of metals were just being born. Now we have taken basic metals and combined them with other steels and, and other things, and we've made, we've, we made these, these metals lighter, stronger, and cheaper. Steel, at the beginning of the last century, was being used to build fantastic buildings that rise further, higher, further upward. All right? As Jesus said, as it was, so it shall be. So we, this construction, those of you in the construction field, God bless you. I don't know how you do it, walking on a steel beam, 100 stories in the air, 200 stories in the air. I don't know. Wouldn't be me. That's for sure. Not this little gray duck. I ain't going anywhere near that. All right? It's funny, too. I'm afraid of heights, but I love to fly. Go figure. But, yeah, we're seeing all this technology. I mean, you know, think about at the turn of the century. All right, we had automobiles where the majority of the, all right, so the engine and everything were steel blocks and, um, you know, the rods and things like that that steered it and everything. But now, you know, then uh, the bodies were, majority of it were made of wood. Now we've got, and trains were made of wood. Now they're, they're made of steel. High-density metal, lighter weight, aluminum. Cars are made from, from, they're not steel anymore. You know, so that things have changed. We were using our technology to for the betterment of mankind, and it's just, a, and that's the reason we're doing it, I guess. But and it's exciting to see that that um, we've come so far to construct so many things out of different metals and in different steels and, and different uh, combinations of them. You know, weapons and and things that are made out of these these highly dense metals that, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. And this, as it was, so it shall be. All right. Now, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zila, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times, James four. Uh, excuse me, Genesis four twenty-three. Now we see Cain, the first murderer, and Lamech, Crane's descendant, 
commits murder, and brags about it. In fact, this is a poem he wrote about it. He has no regard for authority and total disrespect for another person's life. So now we've come into the, the last part of this, which is the disrespect for authority. Violence is rampant in the world today. and somebody is, becomes violent, they are disrespecting the authority or the law that has been set down by God and by man to, you know, not to hurt somebody else, but they continue to do so. This is a, a violent time. And it's so rampant on the world today. We can't turn on the news without hearing something about a riot, someone shot, some kind of home invasion, ad infinitum, ad nauseum. All right, this just it's it's it'll get you sick watching the news to see and hear all of these things that are taking place. And wow, what's anybody doing about this? We're not realizing that the violence is just increasing in scope and intensity. Now, if you don't think that violence has not increased, especially now over the last few years, you must be living with your head under a rock, all right? People live behind closed, between locked doors and cower in fear. All right, people are being attacked even in the daytime. Rural districts as well, where, you know, if you lived outside the city, you're usually pretty safe. It was peaceful. But now they are experiencing violence like they never had. And I don't even want to give any examples of this. Just watch the news. And you will see violence after violence after violence. The news is filled with it. And everybody's opinion. You have the talking heads. Well, if we did this, then with that. No, no, we got to stop the cops from killing people. No, we got to stop. We got to stop this. We got to stop that. And blah, 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 blah. Again, ad infinitum, ad nauseum. There's too much junk going on, all right? Look, we're in the last days. I cannot exactly tell you what day the Lord will return, but be assured, he will return. The rapture of church, rapture of the church will usher in the great tribulation and the world will be destroyed and then recreated again. I say recreated again because God recreated it in Genesis 1. I'll I'll give you this for free. Okay, I'll give you this for free. The original Hebrew seems to indicate, and this is my personal belief. You may believe something different. I know that um, Answers in Genesis has a, has a different viewpoint on this, and a lot of people do. My thought is there is what's called, I believe in what's called a gap theory between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. In Genesis 1-1, it says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? We're all, we're all good on that, right? We all agree? Sorry, I bought myself a brand new Bible today. This one will fit better into my briefcase. I can't find Genesis. No, I can't. I'm only kidding. Of course I can find Genesis. It's just that the pages are so new they won't open for me. Here we go. All right. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the King James says the earth was void. Well, the original Hebrew in there seems to indicate that the earth became void. 
means there was something here before. I don't know what it is. Don't know what it was. Maybe it had to do with the fall of Satan. Maybe he, you know, when he got tossed out of heaven, I don't think that all happened right after the creation. I think he'd already been a fallen being. So who knows? Who knows? But I seem to see what we read there is not the creation story, but the recreation story. And that's just my opinion. I'm entitled to it. You can write me at thetruthmustbetold.org. Tell me I'm off base. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. It's no problem. But just bear in mind, that's what I, that's what I believe. And what, when the time comes, when, when uh, the rapture takes place, we're going to enter into the, last, the Great Tribulation, and we're going to go through, uh, the earth is going to go through seven years of literal hell that's never been experienced before. You think it's bad now? Wait until the Great Tribulation hits, okay? It's going to be worse. And then the Bible says that the heaven and earth are going to pass away. They're going to be destroyed. The earth will be destroyed and it'll be recreated, okay, again. And there'll be, you know, you can read that yourself. We have to do that in another study. But, okay, so that was my freebie for you. So I just want to ask, are you ready? Are you ready? Like the days of Noah, the signs of the times are upon us. Jesus said, as it was before, before the flood, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. Now, as with those days, Noah preached and told people that the flood was coming. No question. All right, and there were many people that are preaching today Christ's return, that the return of Christ is imminent. The signs that Jesus told us to look for are here. The next event on God's prophetic timetable is the rapture of the church. He's going to take his, his believers off this earth in a flash of a second, the twinkling of an eye. But yet the people in Noah's day didn't believe him. He preached. I'm going to read this poem to you. It's kind of interesting. I ran across this today in a little quote book I have. It's called Uncle Ben's Quote Book by Ben Dijong. Dijong. And it's all full of different quotes and um, things to, for you to chew on. But this poem is called Noah's Carpenters. Many hundred years ago, they ventured to remark that Noah had some carpenters to help him build the ark. But sad to say, on that last day, when Noah entered in, those carpenters were left outside and perished in their sin. How sad to think that excuse me, how sad to think they may have helped to build the ark so great, yet still they heeded not God's word, and awful was their fate. Today the same sad fate is, exists among the sons of men. They helped to build the so-called church who are not born again. They stay behind for sacrament. They work, they sing, they pray, yet never have accepted Christ, the life, the truth, the way. Another judgment day will come, as sure as came the flood, and only those will be secure who shelter neath Christ's blood.
Are you sheltered under the blood of Christ? Look, we're running out of time. I've heard people say, hey, where is this this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestor died, everything goes on as it's has it since has as it has since the beginning of creation second peter 3 4 i heard i actually heard somebody say that recently <clears throat> people are always talking about the rapture of the church and the second coming look don't be fooled he is coming i don't know if it'll be in my lifetime or in my grandchildren's lifetime but he is coming as sure as i'm sitting here he is coming You need to fall before the Lord and ask for forgiveness because if you're not ready, you will be left behind. It's not just a... If you're going to watch that movie, by the way, watch the one with Kirk Cameron. Okay, that's the one you want to watch. And I think it's available on... Not Hulu. uh, Pluto TV, I think. One of those. You can watch it. And I think it's on YouTube too as well. Watch that. Left Behind. You're going to see that you have a form of righteousness and you don't, you don't know Jesus. He's going to take his believers off the face of this earth in a split second. And you have to be ready. Look, as I've said many, many times, you don't have to get cleaned up before you come to the Lord. All you have to do is accept him into your life and repent of your sin. It's that simple. Because religion, religion today is that religion of Cain, where we're doing things that we hope God wants. And we're more concerned about pleasing people than we are pleasing God. But people still, they'll go to church, they'll do their sacraments, they'll say their prayers, they'll they'll make the sign of the cross, they'll do, you know, they'll wear certain clothes. They'll say certain things. They'll live a life hopefully pleasing to God so that somehow, some way, God will accept their sacrifice and they can get into heaven. Now look, as with Cain, the works of his hand were rejected because God's plan of salvation includes blood. Blood has to be shed for the remission of sins. There's no, there's no other way around it. Jesus came to die on a cross so that his blood will cleanse you. But why why do I need this, Sal? I'm a good guy. I'm a good gal. I don't do anything wrong. Oh, really? Well, based on a couple of things, let me ask you this. And and, and I love asking people this. This is a great question. Have you ever lied to someone? If you have, What does that make you? Yeah, it makes you a liar. Have you ever stolen anything, even something very small? Then you're a thief. Okay? Have you ever lusted after a woman that you've seen in your heart? You're an adulterer. Have you ever hated someone really, really bad? I hate that guy. Well, Bible says you've just committed murder. Look, Jesus said if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. If you said to somebody, I hate you, you've already committed murder in your heart. So it would be easier to say, well, then if I've stolen something small, then I'm a thief. If I haven't told the truth, then I'm a liar. These are just four of the Ten Commandments. 
Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Used Jesus' name as a cuss word? Can't say no on that one. That's five. Now, do you think a holy God who's righteous is going to allow you into heaven? Yes, you violated his laws. Now, look, you have to understand that Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no one. There's no one that's righteous. Not one person on this world is righteous. We were born into sin. We're a rotten sinner, and that's the way it has to be. Jesus, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ made a way. He, he made the way for us to have eternal salvation. And yet, we tend to ignore this. Now, God demonstrated his love towards us, his own love towards us, that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is why I said, you don't have to get cleaned up to come to God. You don't have to get cleaned up before you take a bath, right? You come to God in humility. Jesus paid the price for our sins. When he died on the cross, he took the burden of our sins and opened the way for us to enter into eternal life with him. Like I said, you don't have to do anything crazy. You don't have to attend certain church. You don't have, Attending a certain church is not going to get you saved. No more than living in a garage would make you a car, right? You don't have to wear certain things or perform certain things or do certain things. Those are not going to get you in. It's not by works of righteousness that we're saved, okay? We're saved through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans that... um, if you will confess your in your confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved that's what's written in the scripture It's not a matter of, yeah, I know Jesus is God. I know that. I knew that growing up. I was raised a Catholic. I knew that. He was the second person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I knew that. But did you realize, and I didn't, did you realize the beating he took for you? The blood that was shed for you? And God is going to hold you accountable to that. He's going to, I should say, he's going to hold us accountable to that. unless we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, you know, all we have to do is, is, is we just have to say a simple prayer. It just, it's not a, a matter of, if you feel in your conscience right now that what I'm saying to you is, is, is it, is it penetrating your heart right now? Is it getting in there? Look, God is speaking to you. He's reaching out to you right now. He's saying, my servant Sal is telling you, you need to be saved. You could say something like this. It doesn't have to be these exact words, but something like this. God, I know that I have sinned against you, and I am deserving of punishment. 
But Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in him, I could be forgiven. With your help, I place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful grace and forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Amen. Now look, I've said it before, I'll say it again. <clears throat> no matter what you do on your own, you can't be saved. In fact, the Bible calls our own righteousness in the sight of God that of filthy rags. Filthy rags, in the Hebrew, a woman's menstrual pad. That's what our own righteousness looks like in the sight of God. Yuck. But when God views us through his shed blood, through Jesus' shed blood, we're righteous in his eyes. And he lives, Jesus lives to intercede for us. It's not Mary. Mary doesn't intercede for us to Jesus. There is only one mediator between God and man. The man, the men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only one. There's no one else. Look. Look, if you prayed that prayer and uh, you have a prayer request, a praise report, or a question of any kind, please go to thetruthmustbetold.org. You can contact me there. And if you're there and you feel led, don't forget to hit that Give tab and you know make a donation to this ministry to keep it going around the world. And if you're listening through Anchor.fm, you can also click that Support button and you know, and help with a monthly donation to this ministry would be appreciated. If you said that prayer and you want to, you want more information, you could write to me. I promise you, I will. You won't you won't get spammed. And uh, I would definitely like to hear from you. Tell me what you're thinking about of the podcast. All right, I'm going to go now. I'm going to say God bless you all for being here, and hope to see you next time on the Truth Must Be Told. <laughs>